missions at the conclusion of all the summer mission trips and everyone being home, we want to take this opportunity to involve you uh, because you've already been involved with your support and prayers. Stephanie and Leah Ellis, you helped to support. Uh, they did a medical mission trip to Africa. They're going to come and share from that trip, and then Bill's going to introduce a youth mission trip that also took place this summer. So, Stephanie and Leah, y'all come on up here. <laughs> don't, please don't leave us. <laughs> You're on your own. Okay. For those of you who don't know us, I'm Stephanie Ellis, and this is my daughter Leah, and we traveled to Uganda, Africa this summer with Helping Hands Foreign Missions. The mission team consisted of Leah and myself and Dr. Richard and Brenda Kowalski, the founders of Helping Hands Foreign Missions, Faye Gayton, a physical therapist from Macon, and good old George, and we called him that because he basically had anything we possibly could need on this trip. It was his fifth time. Our flight left Atlanta around 6 p.m. on Wednesday, and we arrived 24 hours later, totally exhausted, in Entebbe, Uganda. Entebbe is about seven hours ahead of the United States in time, so it was pitch black dark. And Dr. Richard had said to us that we could not travel at night so that we would have to spend the night in a flight motel. After arriving at the flight motel, I thought, I don't think it's a good idea not to be traveling. I thought it'd be best we, if we traveled, we might be a moving target. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was safe there, but I really didn't have a whole lot of choice. And let me tell you, this flight motel made the Motel 6 look like a Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> <clears throat> Lee and I put our luggage up against the door. We were hoping to keep intruders out. We jumped under our mosquito nets and prayed for safety. Well, I, needless to say, I didn't sleep a wink, and I don't think she did either, because every few minutes she'd say, Mom, are you awake? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm, I'm still over here. Well, by the grace of God, it was dark when we arrived. There was a lot of noise all during the night outside the flight motel, and, but it was dark when we got there, so we didn't see what was going on until the next morning. And the next morning when we left, here are some of the slides of what was going on outside of the flight motel. Um, we took some of these pictures as we were driving along. This is all right next door. The taxi ride to Busea was about four hours long, and it was a very bumpy, dirty road, but we, we rode for, it was over four hours actually. We continued to ride, and we would stop along the way at what they called a zippy mart. And this is a picture of a zippy mart. <laughs> and when you would stop at the zippy marts, the people would run up to the taxi with chicken on a stick to try to sell you. Well, the chicken, it was tough and it was, it was really small. And John said it, he thought it was probably diet chicken, that if I'd have ate it, it would absorb some of my calories because it looked so malnourished. <laughs> anyway, we spent about two weeks working in an orphanage there, and Uganda is the home of thousands of orphans, many who have lost their parents to AIDS, typhoid, tuberculosis, and malaria. The orphanage where we worked had about 800 children, and when someone sponsors a child at the orphanage, you can sponsor a child for $25 a month, and basically that provides them with a little uniform, which you see here, the little yellow uniform, and beans and porridge, which is simply water and flour mixed together which they get twice a day, and then some classroom education. Our normal day consisted of getting up in the mornings and we had a devotion. 
Then we would go out and we'd work 10 to 12 hour days doing medical clinics and we would literally see hundreds of children. We would leave with children, there would be children in line when we got there and children in line when we left. And we would end our day with what Dr. Richard calls stretch and bless. And this is where we would get together and we would talk about what stretched us for the day and what blessed us for the day. And basically during this time we would laugh a lot and we'd cry a lot. The orphanage had a fence around it, and the children that did not have sponsors and would not fit inside the orphanage were all just outside the fence, and there were hundreds of these children. A lot of them were unsponsored. Well, most of them were. They lived on the streets, and they were begging for food. And um, they, a lot of them sniffed glue and different things that they said, even as small children, they would do this just to deal with what they faced in their everyday life. After starting our mission work, I was able to answer the question that had been bugging me, why did I go to Africa? I kept wondering the whole time I was getting ready to go to Africa, why can't I just do something here? And I finally figured that out when I got to Africa, that there were so many needs in Africa that I had never even realized. And in the United States, anywhere, you can go to an ER and receive quality medical care. But there, they would walk for hours to get to the ER. When they would get there, there was no ER. It was just a clinic. And when they would get there, they either didn't have enough money to get the medication, or if they got the medication, they would throw it up because they didn't have any food on their stomach. There were so many rewarding events, but I can only share a few of them, so I will share just a few. I saw a child who was 16 years old receiving his first pair of shoes and jumping for joy. When you would ask children what they wanted, they would say food, soap, or shoes. That was the three answers that we got repeatedly. We bought some food and took it to a brother and sister that had AIDS and had not been able to keep their medication down because they had no food. This is the place where we went and bought the food, and we bought beans and flour. And the third thing that I wanted to share with you is I met a little girl. She was laying on the side of the road and just smiling, and I picked her up, and to my surprise, she was burning up with fever. So I asked the interpreter to ask her, you know, if she had a caregiver. So we, she took us to her mother, and we asked her mother if she had had any type of medical care, and she said yes, that she had taken her to the clinic the day before, and that they had said she needed five injections to get rid of this severe infection she had. And she'd gotten one, but she couldn't afford to get the others. So when we investigated it, we found, found out that the price of these injections were 5,000 shillings, which is $2.50. It's less than we pay for a Happy Meal here at McDonald's. It cost a lot of money for Leah and I to travel to Africa, and all of you who financially support missions helped to ease the suffering of a few of the orphans in Uganda. Your support helped buy mattresses, medical supplies, mosquito nets, and food. I wanted to share this report to you to tell you thank you for helping to make this trip possible. You were as much a part of this trip as Leah and I were. We were just able to be physically present. Leah is going to share with you a few of the pictures that we took while we were there. This is a picture of one of the sponsored orphans. The missionary takes pictures to show the sponsors what have been purchased for their child. Here's the kitchen at the school. Everything is cooked on hot coals on the ground. This is the porridge, which is nothing but flour and water. 
This is Calvary Baptist Church, which is, which is a bush church. We attended a church service there. The children sang and danced for us, and we gave out candy at the end. Here's a lady washing clothes. They wash everything by hand with no running water. They have to go to the village well and carry the water home. You can see that the wash water gets very dirty. Here's a lady laying her clothes out to dry on the roof of her hut. This is the well at the missionary's house. The city water did not work while we were there, and the electricity was off most of the time. So we had to pull our water up out of the well one bucket at a time. This little girl followed me wherever I went. She couldn't speak any English, and I couldn't speak any Swahili, but we got along just fine. Here's a picture of one of the classrooms where they are studying math. This hotel in Busia has a sign on it that says it's the Sheraton. <laughs> Here's the meat market. Notice the little black dots on the meat. Flies and no refrigerator. That's disgusting. One day we walked to the Kenyan border and illegally crossed just to say we did. This is, <laughs> this is the bridge between Uganda and Kenya. There were no border guards. Right near the bridge is where they conduct baptisms. Here I am with our interpreters. One of them was Muslim and we were able to witness to him while we were there. Here we were doing a small group. Dr. Brenda asked me to spend some time with these girls to try to figure out where they and their families were spiritually. Tressie is in my lap. I decided, I decided while we were there that we would sponsor Tressie. This is a picture of Dr. K, Pastor Moses, and Issa. About a year ago, Issa was robbed for about 10 cents. He was beaten and left for dead. The doctors there were going to amputate one of his legs, but the Kowalskis brought him to the U.S. and got him the surgery he needed in Atlanta. His story is on YouTube if you would like to hear more about it. This is Pastor Moses' wife, Rose, and Junior. As an infant, Junior was found in a dumpster. He had been left to die, but Pastor Moses and his wife adopted him. This is Mama's good friend, Mama Tom. Mama Tom lives in a church sleeping on the floor. She has adopted 11 orphans and takes care of them at the church. You can see her here reading the Bible. Here's Mama in the pharmacy she was working in. And here I am on our last day in Uganda with Dr. K at Bujigali Falls. Mama's going to tell you a little more about Dr. K. Lee and I left toward the middle of July, and the Kowalskis, Dr. Brenda and Richard, they stayed on until toward the end of July. Two weeks after Richard came back, he was not feeling well on Friday morning, and his wife took him to the clinic on Friday afternoon, where they put him, took him directly to the hospital and said that, he was, that his organs were starting to shut down because he had gone into a coma. He was admitted to the hospital, and by Friday afternoon, he was on life support. Saturday morning, Richard died. Richard had contracted malaria while traveling with us in Uganda. Dying of malaria in the United States is unheard of, <clears throat> but in Uganda, it happens all the time. Children come to school with 104 fevers just to be able to get something to eat. 
Richard and his wife, Brenda, co-founded Helping Hands Foreign Missions and have been a lifeline to thousands of the children there. I hope that you will pray for Richard's family and especially for the children in Uganda. I'm afraid that without Richard, they will not have as much as they had before. If anyone would like to sponsor a child or an orphan, just you can talk to me about it. It's $25 a month in Uganda, and that's more than most of them make in an entire month. Once again, thank you for supporting missions and for helping to ease some of the suffering of a few of the orphans in Uganda. Thank you. Uh, at the end of July, we had a youth mission team that went to work with the Pacific View Baptist Church in Encinitas, um, California, which Encinitas is a suburb of San Diego. And uh, it was a really good week. I, I was on that with that group, and Kelly Bowen was also on it. Uh, tonight, I'm going to ask uh, Lauren Lever and Lindsay McCaskill to just share a little bit about their experience to be on that mission trip. So if you all two would come up here. I'm Lauren, and I had the great opportunity to go to San Diego this summer, and there's a little stuff we did. We, in the morning hours, we worked in the parks doing face painting and did um, animal balloons, and we interacted with the kids. We also encouraged them to come to the church we were working at, and in the afternoons, we helped our pastor with whatever he needed us to. I'm Lindsay, and like Lauren said, um, those three different parks that we interacted with, um, one was down by a beach, and then one was closer into town, um, we just gathered all the kids, and um, we tried our best to, it was kind of scary, you know, for some of the parents, strange kids just come up, can I play with your kid? Not many parents <laughs> would let them do that, but we just kind of tried to get them, get them to come with balloons and face painting, and then we would hand out little flyers inviting them to come to the church. Um, and I think Bill's going to follow up and see, you know, actually how many did come from that. And then in the afternoons, we would um, just help. We helped tear down some buildings and painting because um, the church, it was really sad. The guy we were helping, Evan, the only youth there were his kids. So um, they really um, needed a lot of help. Um, what I learned from this mission trip is I learned that there are a lot of people out there that don't know God and that he put us here to tell them about it and also this trip gave me more confidence and um, helped me realize that you're probably going to get shut down when you witness so not to be scared it gave me a big confidence booster. Um, I also learned a lot too it was um, a lot different being on the east coast um, I meant west coast <laughs> um, they made fun of our accents a lot and it was a lot different considering I went to Thailand the year before but I mean, being in a foreign country, I saw a lot more lost people right here in the United States, and I just realized, you know, here at home, there's more to do, and, you know, there's people here we need to focus on and stay focused on, and that, you know, you can go to school and you can witness each day and make a difference. So that was a big lesson I learned, and I'm going to try to 
work on that every day. So, thanks. thanks. <laughs>Okay, thank you, Stephanie and Leah and Lauren and Lindsay. We want to um, consider our prayer list tonight, hospitalized church members. We're aware of Corinne Miller at Tift Regional in uh, transition, continuing to regain strength from a broken leg. And also little Jaden Staley, I think, is still over at Phoebe Putney. You want to remember him. Uh, Tom Flick has been hospitalized, and he went home today. Shannon Yawn also went home today. Gary Akins, as you probably have missed, had his uh, shoulder surgery on Friday and is home recovering from that. Chris Barber is going to Orlando this weekend for another treatment. Bill Fletcher to Mayo to start treatment. I had an email from Edwina Goff, and she says Richard's not doing well, uh, running a fever and a lot of pain, and they're trying to diagnose what's wrong. So let's remember Richard up in Macon now. Wanda Matthews has had chest pains, and Jim Sinclair is awaiting a consult to begin treatment. Congratulations to Landon and Laura Maxwell on the birth of a baby boy, William James Maxwell, this week. Let's pray. Father, as we gather, first of all, we are just overwhelmed that that we have the privilege of knowing you. And there's so many people on the other side of the globe and on the other side of this nation who have no idea how great a God you are and what you did for us in Jesus. And we thank you for these who went and and shared that message and for others who are sharing it even now. And Father, I lift up the Kowalski family to you and um, just pray that you would comfort them in their time of loss and at the same time raise up other people who will take their place and continue to do what is so desperately needed forgotten parts of the world. We pray for these hospitalized and these who are uh, recovering, starting treatments, procedures. And Father, we rejoice with the Maxwells on the arrival of a, a beautiful son. We pray that you'll bless each family, that you will heal those who are hurting and sick and, and those who have a special need of your presence in their lives be there to bless and comfort them. Father, as we prepare for state missions and as we think about missions tonight, we just lift up all those who are on the field, telling the good news day in and day out. Help us see where we live as a mission field. Help us be faithful where we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you turn with us, please, for our offertory hymn? It's hymn number 139. Hymn number 139, At the Cross. We'll sing the first, the second, and then the last verses. Number 139. Would you stand with us, please?
let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you, worship you, and praise your awesomeness, Lord. And Lord, we are so thankful that our church, we send out these that go across the world, Lord, to tell others about Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you will bless their efforts. Lord, as we uh, come to this time where we're gathering in our tithes and offering, Lord, I pray that you will bless the giver in their obedience to you and bless the gift, Lord, in the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. One of the joys of having sons is to get to know their girlfriends. And Matthew's girlfriend, Haley Moore, is going to sing with me tonight. And Haley is from the big metropolis of Chula, Georgia. And I um, hope you enjoy it. We're going to be singing Thy Word by Amy Grant. Um, and this song comes from Scripture, and it's Psalms 119-105. And it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've lost my way, still you're there right beside me. Nothing will I fear, as long as you are near, please be near me to the end. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will not forget your love for me and yet my heart forever is wandering. Jesus, be my guide and hold me to your side and I
Thank you, Nancy and Haley. Turning your Bibles to Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, it's the parable of the talents. And the message is using your talents for God. It's a great, great parable. God has gifted each one of you. And to the extent that you use that talent for him, he will be able to bless it and multiply it. And to the extent that you bury it, it will be squandered. Be thinking about what your special talent is and how you can use it for God. Matthew 25 verse 14 says, For it will be as when a man going on a journey called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not winnow, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I have not winnowed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten, for to every one who has will more be given. He will have abundance, but from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness where men will weep and gnash their teeth. Wow. Makes me wonder what would have happened to the guy who lost the talent. Let's pray. Father, help us to see this story, this parable, as a lesson on the talents you have entrusted with us. Not to be squandered, not to be even not to be hidden or buried, but invested and used for your glory. Help us to know what our talents are and to be bold in exercising them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but this is one of those stories I wish Jesus hadn't told. It's a passage of talents that doesn't seem to agree with things Jesus said elsewhere. I mean, Jesus talks a lot about gifts and talents, including money, but usually in another direction. Here, look at who the hero is. He's a servant who takes the five talents and by shrewd investments doubles his money. The bad guy is the one who sits on his one talent all day and does nothing with it. And this parable is told by the same guy who earlier had said, you cannot serve God and mammon. 
by the same one who asked the rich young ruler to sell all he had and give it to the poor. And who said to stunned bystanders, my, how difficult, difficult it will be for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. And yet here he is expecting us to take five talents and turn them into ten. Jesus is the one who overturns the tables of the money changers, right? And yet here he is telling a story about a ruler who condemns a one-talent man because he does not take his silver to the bankers, those persons who are sitting at those tables that he overturns. The bankers would have been glad to get their hands on a talent or two of silver. A talent was 6,000 drachmas. And a drachma was about $2.50 in today's market. So today's price as a talent was about $15,000 or 15 years wages. 15 years. No wonder the man was conservative with the money that was given to him. The talent was a lot of money. And the bankers and the money changers in the temple could have used that single talent to fund their commercial practices buying sacrificial animals, selling them at inflated prices in the temple precincts, taking their share off the top of the exchange in foreign currency. In due course, it would have been a simple thing to return to the servant the original investment of one talent plus a 100% interest and still kept a tidy sum for themselves. Jesus knew all this. So why does he have the steward, the owner in this parable, criticized the lazy servant upon his second coming. Well, the answer lies in the end of the parable, the lesson which this parable is supposed to drive home. For to everyone who has more will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Verse 29. This is, first of all, is teaching about the end time. At the culmination of God's history with his people on Judgment Day, how willing you have been to invest your treasures in God's kingdom will be taken into account. But I think even more importantly, this parable is trying to teach us how to live, not at the end times, but right now, beginning now, immediately. If you have something valuable, invest it. Lay it on the line. Risk it for God's kingdom. If you have what? What am I supposed to risk? The parable doesn't say. It says, for to everyone who has will more be given. Could it be that when all is said and done, Jesus isn't talking about money? Maybe he's using money as just an example of all our other treasures. Think about it. What do you have that's valuable? What do you have that's worth something? What about loyalty? For everyone who has loyalty will more be given. Have you noticed what happens when you invest loyalty? When you make clear to another person or to a church or to a group that you can be counted on in sunshine or rain for rich or for poor through suffering and success, that you can be counted on to do your share and then some? What happens from loyalty from one person has a way of of generating corresponding loyalty in the others in the group. Well, what about musical ability? When someone invests their musicianship and risks it and lays it on the line, hearers, hearers respond more and more, and the ability itself is enhanced by the virtue of investment. 
But that talent, Karen, if it's not used, it's lost, isn't it? I know, I used to be a classical pianist. (laughs) And it's gone. (laughs) What about love? One of the most important discoveries you make along the road of life is how painful and yet how gratifying it can be to invest your love in another person. Loving someone can be at the same time one of the most rewarding and one of the most difficult investments you can make. Love can take you to the hospital, it can take you to the funeral home, it can take you into moments of honesty and and tenderness through some of the most intense conflicts imaginable. Love, when it's invested, grows and generates more love in return. And in the investment of love, the capital gains are tremendous. What about forgiveness? The Bible says that forgiveness begets forgiveness, but forgiveness, when buried, soon dies. I think Jesus gave us this parable as a standard of behavior until he comes again. The church has always known this and usually interprets it this way. It says, put your best attributes, your precious treasures on the line, invest yourself where your talents can do the most good. And that's one of the things I wanted to say this evening. We voted on the nominating committee report this morning. If you committed yourself to a position of leadership for this new year, take it seriously and apply yourself and give it your best. And you'll have not only our undying appreciation, but you will know the returns the Lord will give you on your investment will be far greater than any appreciation you can receive from any of us here on earth. I guess it's no wonder Jesus talked so much about money. And incidentally, the word talent here, which is a weight of silver, is where we get our English word talent as a, as a gift from. It originally meant a weight of silver, something valuable. And so the talent you have represents that kind of value. Jesus knew that money out of control could be a demon, an obstacle to discipleship. But when transformed by love from being just silver, then it can become a golden thread that's woven into the fabric of our relationship with him. And I hope your finances, and more importantly, I hope the other areas of your life, your time, your talents, your enthusiasm, your loyalties, your loves, have all been committed to Jesus Because only then can you do the job that Jesus expects of you, given the talents that he's entrusted to you. And those specific talents he's entrusted to you, he has entrusted to no one else. Just like your fingerprint is an individual indicator of who you are, so is the particular combination of talents he has placed inside of you. And when you exercise those talents for God, his expectations are high. But so was his calling, and so was the reward. One day I was out walking in our backyard, and we have some woods right behind our yard, and I noticed flowers growing in the woods. <laughs> it's really strange. Uh, I found out that Susan had, had taken a, a bag of wildflower seeds. Y'all see those in the store? Just a bag of wildflower seeds and thrown them out into the woods for some reason. I thought she was crazy. But there in that back corner of the woods, there was a small patch of beautiful and fragrant flowers. 
in the middle of weeds, almost completely hidden, unnoticed, yet they were blooming in their full beauty and you could sense their fragrance. You know, I think we've all come across persons unnoticed by many who in the middle of struggle and unlikely surroundings, far from the center of attention, live lives of beauty and fragrance. And living lives would seem obscure. They are faithfully fulfilling God's calling on their life right where they are, right where he planted them. God's question on that last day won't be how much were you noticed or how much did you draw attention to yourself. Or it won't even be how much did you do. His question will be how faithful were you fulfilling your calling in the corner in which I planted you. Did you take what I gave you and make something of it? We have a needlepoint hanging, we have a lot of needlepoints hanging in our house, but one in particular says, what you are is God's gift to you, what you become is your gift to God. Take the talents that he's given you and invest them wisely and use them for him. Let's pray. Father, just as few of us use our brains up to their potential, I imagine few of us use our talents up to the potential that you've given us as well. And we don't want to squander them. We don't want to bury them. So just make plain in our lives what we can do in a certain way that no one else can and and help us to exercise that particular area of our giftedness and use it primarily for you for the furtherance of your kingdom for the benefit of our fellow man all to bring you glory whether it's resources finances loyalties love time organization administration So many skills, teaching necessary, our nominating committee report, it's a lengthy list of people who are willing to use the gifts that they sense you have entrusted to them. Help them to invest that gift this coming year in the lives of the people sitting in the classroom, the children singing in choir, and that committee that's fulfilling an important function and once invested see it multiplied father we want to do something great for you but few of us are willing to be faithful in little so help us just bloom where we're planted and be faithful And what you've given to us specifically. And then watch you work through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hymn number 134 is Jesus Paid It All. I hope it's...
it's a relief to know that you don't have to do anything to be saved. To earn your salvation. To earn forgiveness of sins. Jesus paid it all. You just have to believe it and receive it. And if you want to do that this evening, I'll be at the front professing your faith, rededicating your life, joining this church. You come forward. 134. Let's stand and sing.